Previously on The Tony Kornheiser Show. Do you know Kevin Sheehan? Kevin loves the I weather. I do. I do. I mean, Kevin yeah, is know, a I've, total I've, weather geek. Have you ever chatted with Kevin? You know, I haven't, interestingly, but I've heard about him for years, and I know he, uh, you know, I followed him on Twitter, and I know he does a lot of forecasting himself, and people have a lot of respect for him. He's got a lot of great instincts when it comes to the forecast. Seems like a really good guy. I'd love to chat with him sometime. Wait, he's actually good at this? <laughs> <laughs> the Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. Did you did you tell Kevin about this? I did. What was his reaction to a this? A big smile. Because this is a real guy. It's validation. I mean, Sammy is a real guy. Yes, he I is. Mean, he's working as a weatherman. Yes. So it, Kevin's you don't think instincts. he was just being nice to Kevin, right? No, I think I think you don't think Kevin paid him. <laughs> you don't think well, that's don't possible? Have, you know, I have to check that out. I have to check that out. All right. Um, we're going to do, let me give you the schedule this week because I have Thursday and Friday off for the draft. So we're going to do shows Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Those are our shows this week, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. I have a lot to get to. I first want to thank Sean from the Philly Pretzel Factory who gave us a whole bunch of pretzels today. And they are really good. This was in honor of last week's or is it today's National Pretzel Day? Today is National today Pretzel is Day. Today is National Pretzel yes. Day. And he writes, thank you for sharing National Pretzel Day with us again. Yes, it's tomorrow. So he... Wrote oh. this yesterday, or is oh, it? It doesn't maybe. matter. But being early never hurt, and we love to spread the word. Hope Michael enjoys the Nats logo pretzels we made just for him. Have you seen those yet? I have not. Okay. We had one of the rivets earlier. While we are giving a free pretzel to everyone that swings by on Tuesday, as a thanks to you and your loyal listeners, a La Cheeserie gets loyal littles a free mustard dip all year long. How about that? So don't be stupid. That's Get in offer. there and say La Cheeserie. <laughs> it's really a joy when another little swings by and chats about the show. We hope this annual drop-off makes us the official pretzel of the Tony Kornheiser Show. But always reach out if you need a snack fix anytime. I'm going to, and that's from Sean, from the Philly Pretzel Factory, which is so kind. And the pretzels are great. Yes. I'm going to talk, however, briefly about pretzels. I, I really like pretzels. Where I grew up on Long Island, um, we didn't have these really thick, salted pretzels on Long Island. You could go to New York City, and there would be street vendors, and they would have these large pretzels. But these are not native to New York City in the way that they are native to Philadelphia. So, Michael, when you started going to school in Philadelphia... What was the pretzel circumstance there? I associate these, and, and also, the. I never did this, but in Philadelphia, they put mustard on these pretzels. I, I never grew up doing I, that. So I don't think I'd ever seen a soft pretzel like this outside of a sports arena until moving to Philly. And for me, it was 37th and Spruce. I mean, I, yeah. I, I don't know what that says, uh, what that says about my... Uh, pretzel taste, but it was the double pretzel from Wawa that was good for days. Yeah. Um, no, you're going to make a, a certain. And you can microwave them. You're going to make a certain four and a half year old very happy. We took him to the Nats game. Mom came back in the fourth inning, I believe, without uh, without the mentioned soft pretzel and little Walker threw a stink face for oh, a couple that, batters. Is that right? Yeah. So now you'll bring. But he had Cracker Jack. You'll bring a, a bunch of these home. They are. W for Walker. They are a. I guess, not for the Nats, I guess. Um, they are, to me, sort of a treasure food. They are, it's like cheesesteaks are Philadelphian. Right. There are other things that belong in certain areas of the country. But these are things that I associate completely as Philadelphia treasures. And they're really, they're really good. We are very grateful for this. My favorite kind of pretzel always had been um, a dark... Very dark, burnt, burned, uh, in essence, a bar pretzel, a thick pretzel. Not these thin. I don't like pretzel thins. I, I don't like anything where it says pretzel and associates the word thin. I don't really want those. And I don't want them if they're not burned. Right. And this is I a like crunchy them. pretzel. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like, like Utz pretzels or something like that. Yes. Right? But um, who's the Uncle Jerry's is Uncle where Jerry's. I go. I, I call Uncle the Jerry's. Remangers, the ones that are on the bottom of the bin. Yes. I want the Low broken salt. ones with no salt burned to a crisp. <laughs> and I really like those. And Uncle Jerry's Available is... Available locally at Whole Foods. It's a, Are they? Yeah. I didn't, I've never been into... As you know, I've never been into a Whole Foods. Never. Well, you're not Amazon Prime. You know, and I don't want to go into a Whole Foods. <laughs> I mean, I want to spend the rest of my life not going into a Whole Foods. It's just me. It's stubbornness on my part. But Uncle that Jerry's... I think they're in 
Pennsylvania. I'm not certain, but they also have a D.C. They have a local number, and I call the number, and I leave a message, and twice a year or so, I order about $25 worth of those pretzels and go crazy eating the them. The problem is once you start down the pretzel path, it's going to be all you're eating for the next week or two. Yeah, and I really like them, the burned ones. What Pen- is it? Pennsylvania Dutch. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's where the Uncle Jerry's. So Speaking that's, of those, that's uh, a freebie Philly, for Uncle Jerry's. Philly uh, treasures. Did you watch any of the uh, Phillies game last night? Phillies uh, Brewers? No, I didn't. What happened? So they, Schwarber got upset, didn't oh, he? Oh, Schwarber in the ninth was I watched the Nats. crying like I'll he didn't get a soft Nats. pretzel. No, they have, uh, they have Yelich. They have uh, Harper mic'd up. Everyone just goes like, yeah, we've, uh, some of the guys are having cheesesteaks like twice a day, at lunch every day. Is that right? Yeah. All right. So Uncle Jerry's, you can mail order, and Philly Pretzel Factory, and it's fabulous. Uh, yes, so. it is fabulous. And tomorrow is, in fact, pretzel. Okay, so So I wanted to tell the toaster story, but I'm not going to tell it today. I'm going to tell the toaster story tomorrow, I think. Today, I'm going to concentrate on something that happened yesterday that Chuck Todd and I think is incredibly important. I don't know. I'm not certain what a meme is, but I think a meme has something to do with isolating in time and creating for you a moment that you can never get out of your memory. It's something small and snarky and definitive. Do I have that correct on what a meme is? Yes, you're circling around the definition very closely. So a lot of times it's using what would become a stock image uh, that, is be- that has sort of gone through the culture and has become famous on its own. And then it's, it's a standalone for uh, a reaction or a moment in time. Okay. So one of the Nats yesterday, the fellow Fox, is that his name? Lucius? Yeah. Did Lucius? he vomit? Did he vomit, didn't he? On the field, did he vomit? Did he vomit? I don't know. I think he did. I think he didn't could you see look that. this up. Could you look it up? A guy named Fox, I think, vomited. Um, I think he's a reserve infielder or something like that. Yes? Yeah. Okay. Do we not know this? Am I the only one who knows this with Chuck Todd? It says sickening start here. Third base, when I'm reading from Andrew Golden's story in the post. Third baseman Lucius Fox vomited on the field during the first at-bat of Sunday's game and promptly left with trainers. <coughs> Davey Martinez said Fox had stomach flu before the game, but took fluids and felt well enough to play. Okay. The key word there is vomited. This is the meme for the Nats this year. Because the Nats are vomitous. <laughs> the Nats lost all the games to the Giants. All the games to the Giants. They were soundly beaten by a good team. They lost all three in the ninth inning, which started out six to three. They bring in a reliever in the ninth inning. They bring in Sam Clay. Here's Sam Clay's line. One third of an inning, three runs, three earned, two walks, 19 pitches. His ERA now 12. Oof. 12 is not even in single digits. It's 12. Then they bring in this guy named Ciszek. Do I pronounce his name correctly? Yep. This is the guy who hits everybody. Sunday special. Last Sunday didn't go so hot for him Hits either. everybody and hit one of the Giants. And they cut to a shot in the dugout of Gabe Kapler. And Gabe Kapler's talking to one of his assistant coaches and basically asking, what's the deal with this guy? Right. Ciszek. They took him out. One third of an inning. Three hits. Not counting the hit batter. Three runs, all earned, 19 pitches. His ERA, 8-5-3. And they had to bring in Paolo Espino, who in one-third of an inning gave up two hits in eight pitches. They gave up six runs in the top of the ninth. They weren't going to win the game anyway. The but Giants then it decided was, to go for two? Hmm? What? Did who decide to go for two? The Giants. Don't worry no, they it. didn't. Because they don't. <laughs> the unwritten rules are something they don't follow. And then they're not going to be here again this year. So what do they care? Right. Right. They're only in for three. And then you're out there for three. So it's a 12-3 game. The Nats are terrible. Their bullpen, which is always terrible, is terrible. And what makes it worse is their starters don't get out of the fifth. Corbin doesn't even get to the fifth. He doesn't get to the third sometimes. Their starters don't get out of the fifth. Aiden, didn't he win a game last yep. time? Right? Aiden is now one and three with a six nine eight ERA. Gave up five earned, six hits in four innings. You can't you you cannot contend. You cannot even tread water if your bullpen is in there every single game early. Here's how many pitchers they used after Aiden yesterday. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So that's the number that's going to get you once you get into May. 
seven relief pitchers who have to go to the bullpen and throw hard. Mm-hmm. That depletes your strength and your arm. It changes things. They got to do it every day. Seven relief pitchers to go five innings. Well, in the last it's three, unsustainable. The last three seasons have gotten a uh, series have gotten worse and worse. When you take a look at okay, they go to Pittsburgh. They should have won three out of four of those. You have the Diamondbacks, where uh, you have a team that can't score with runners in positions, and the Nats lose those games, and their offense does nothing, and it gets worse and worse and worse. And now you're looking at a. a some will call it a surprise, but the Miami Marlins are coming here. They're really uh, pretty good here. Uh, but I take the other look at this. I'm driving through, going to the game on Saturday. We're, we're going to park, and I stop at uh, South Capitol and coming off of Maine. And I look up, and I see the Lerner building with the Nats W. And you just have this, that's what's overhanging the entire season for me. If you have this big building, you look at the the build up around that as you walk in you see all these restaurants all the development and you're trying to find as barry put it earlier those small moments it was so fun to be at the game no one was there this is no this was a beautiful saturday afternoon they <laughs> no didn't goes. have more than twenty-two thousand people there yeah i don't know i mean i think that they are so terrible and the news is so depressing that they are going to sell the team that i think people go well you know yeah maybe should, later yeah why should i invest why in, should i go now yeah maybe later If I said to you, Michael, you play 162 games. If I said the over-under is 60 wins, that's 60 and 102, that's going to be one of the three worst records in all of baseball, if not the worst record in baseball. 60 and 102, would you go over or under? I would now go under. Earlier, I would have said I would have put it at closer to seventy, just because you have a lot of getaway games. Like you should have won one of those afternoon games this week, and those are the games that just sort of fall into your lap when a team comes in after a hard series and is throwing a bullpen game. Uh, so the number, the number that Alan, our friend Alan, was giving us earlier is if you combine Strasburg and Corbin's wins for the season, what's the number you'd put it at? No, I, I don't think start, Strasburg will ever pitch. Right, to start the season, you might have said, like, okay, combine, like, well, let's put the number at 22. 15 and see if they go over that. And now you don't even know. No, I don't know if Strasburg will ever pitch again. <laughs> uh, Strasburg's like John Wall, except they'd like him to play. They wouldn't, it's not like John Wall, they'd pay him a lot of money and ask him not to play. They'd like Strasburg to pitch. Corbin has, he has dissolved. Yeah. Corbin is down the drain. Yeah. Corbin can't get to the third. What happened to Corbin? Now, as you want to give hey, your speech. No, I'm just saying he was the reason we won the World Series. That's right. He I mean, went you, to the bullpen. Put him in the bullpen. He went to the bullpen, and that's how the Nats What's won the World Series. If you look at his background as a pitcher, he was not, I mean, I don't think he was really trained as a baseball player, and certainly not as a pitcher. So I... the over under at the moment might be 12. Which is absurd. You're but paying again, them $100 million. Again, in, the, in this sort of the shadow, again, from the, the learners gets longer and longer as the summer goes on. But to take two boys, get them some chicken tenders and fries, and sit on the concourse level Lovely. in right field so they could stare down and see Juan Soto throwing the baseball, or baseball back and forth with a backup catcher, that's everything about going to see a bad team. Yeah, so they loved it, right? Yeah. Oh. And what, what was that thing that... Um Henry said that he liked Juan Soto. So before the game, Henry for the entire, he's like, Juan Soto, Juan Soto, Juan Soto. And it was like, Henry, what are you excited to see? Juan Soto. And Walker just goes, lunch. Juan Soto, <laughs> lunch. Aren't, isn't it buy one, get one free there now? Uh, the kids are a little bit too young for the Budweiser deal. Okay, okay um, I guess. No, the, the chicken tenders and I'm fries. Like, Walker had been thinking about that. And then, of course, he got the, uh, the South Mountain Creamery ice cream. Yeah. This, we're at that phase of life. Yeah. Oh, I don't get to see. I got to sit down for two weddings. Yeah. Oh, all right. <laughs> that's life. Um, we'll take a break. Michael Wilbon, if he awakens, yes, if he awakens this Monday, which he didn't last Monday, if he awakens, we'll talk to him when we get back. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews or coverage of all the biggest stories in the nba our new show is the place to be five days a week download and follow beyond the arc on apple podcasts spotify and wherever you get your favorite podcasts you're listening you're listening to the tony kornheiser show this is paul goldstein from monrovia maryland who writes the last time i spoke to you about music I called into your show because the weekend before I played in a band at your country club. They put me right through and we talked how it was back in the old days when you would take calls. I didn't even say how you're doing. 
I'm the drummer in the North Star Band. We were a regional band based in D.C. in the 70s and 80s. We recorded three albums, but only released two. Fast forward 35 years, we recorded a new CD, plus we remixed the old one and released a double CD. You can hear our music on all platforms, and the new CD will drop on May 1st. We will be appearing at the Birchmere on May 6th for a CD release show. Hopefully a few Littles would be interested in coming to the show. If any Littles are there, please say hello. This is from Paul, and this is called Virginia, and he plays in Michael Wilbon, who is out in Arizona. I'm just going to start with this, because it was for you, because I know how much you love to watch the NBA. You had eight games over the weekend. That's right. a treasure trove. That's as great a weekend as you can Did have if you love to watch the NBA. Of all the series, this is the first round. Which one, if any, surprises you the most to this point? Well, considering Minnesota has won two games, it could be that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't have, look. I had the Celtics winning. I certainly didn't think they'd be a yep. 3-0. Right. It could be that one. Um, I don't know that anything else. The nature of because Booker is not playing, the Suns were going to beat a dogfight. Any, any team without their best player. It's going to be in a dogfight. I don't care what the seeding is. Um, so I guess, Tony, it would be Brooklyn-Boston. I mean, I'm just thinking through the other series real quickly. Yeah, it would, it would have to be that one. Um, that series, it, it's been both entertaining, it's instructive. Uh, I picked the Celtics to win. I, I, find, I found the Nets a fairly loathsome team all year. Uh, and that's tough for me because I've known Kevin Durant a long time and, and liked him tremendously. Steve Nash a long time. At one point, the years in which Steve, Steve Nash was my favorite player in the league when he was here in Phoenix. Uh, and so for me to, to just find them thoroughly dislikable, it's like the Lakers. I found this particular Laker team thoroughly dislikable. Um, so that, 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 that series is, mm-hmm. it's a wow. It really is. And it, it, it might've been a wow on a number of levels, but the way it's going is, um, you know, I don't, are they going to get swept? I think so. And even if they don't get swept, they're not going to win more wow. than a game. Brooklyn won't, and that would be tonight. Tonight is the next game. So yeah, that, that, but that's, we've been living with it all year. I mean, what you feel about, it's a referendum on a lot of things, Tony, how you feel about the, the stuff. Science, in the case of the virus and Kyrie Irving not getting vaccinated. Um, how you feel about the league and whether or not it would be good for basketball for the Brooklyn Nets to just sort of get away with one and win. I, I always thought it would be bad mm-hmm. for the sport. So it's a referendum on a lot of stuff. Now, that, that, that's a couple of them, but I, I, I want them out. I do. So let me ask a couple of serious questions. I mean, you and I both agree that Kyrie Irving, however great a player he is, and he's a great player, is a terrible teammate. He left his teammates hanging. If you're going to play a team sport, you just can't do what he did. But is Kevin Durant a bad teammate? And before you answer, let me tell you why I say this. Kevin Durant has played lousy lately, and everybody knows that. And he stands up afterwards and he says, this is on me, and I have to do better, and I have to do better. And I wonder if in his answers, he's not basically saying, you know, there are a bunch of dogs on this team other than me, and no, I'm going to have to carry them. No, he is. You know, you're sure? Yeah. Is he, you don't no, think he's he a bad teammate? Not, no, okay. no, 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 no. Okay. no. He, he's having a bad series. He's having a bad series. I remind people, I got to remind my dear friend Stephen A. Because everybody wants to go crazy. I said, Stephen, before you go nuts on, the te- on, on national television again, Michael Jordan got swept. He got swept two years in a row. When he was in, now it was early in his career. He had not yet become a champion. That's right. That. That's right. That's Kobe right. Kobe Bryant and Shaq got swept multiple times. Jerry West had losses. If you examine them, we now look back. We would call those embarrassing playoff losses. So Kevin Durant's the middle one now. What looks like is going to be one. And he's got, I'm not going to say it's an excuse, he's getting his butt kicked by the Boston Celtics. He, yes, he is. They're defending guy. him. Yes, yes, they're they defending him great. This is, like mm. the, this is like the Jordan rules, Pistons defense come to life in, the, in you know, 
20, 30, 30 some years later. They're all over him. He has no chance. By the way, Kyrie Irving not exactly covering himself in glory. In this no, 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 no. Um, he's so he's a great player, but Durant's the best player. All right, so Durant's let me let me stay player. with this. Yeah. Let me stay with this for a second. You like Steve Nash. I like Steve Nash. Everybody yeah. likes Steve Nash. I assume they're just going to fire him yeah. and think that he's the problem, right? I would Which is what I was, I'm yeah. not going to say they can assume he's the problem. They're going to fire him. This is what happens in, in this sport, in most every sport. You know, in the NHL, as you would like to point out, they'll fire you in the playoffs. They fire people. Yes. <laughs> amazing. Just amazing. I got you yes. like the number one seed. You go 0-2 in a first round to get out. Yeah. So this is yeah. what happens. Come on. I mean, Steve Nash is going to get fired. Yes. Will he be justified? Yeah, it will be. Yeah. I mean, Steve Nash is the coach because Kevin Durant wanted him to be the coach. Kyrie Irving, as we remember, said, we need a coach. That's Kyrie right. Irving, the most egomaniacal little weasel. Yeah, he is. He, he is. is ridiculous. And He's ridiculous. I find him, I find him right. so dislikable. Yeah. But 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 Kevin Durant. If you remember, to be the coach. I disliked him long before you did, and you told me, yes. "No, he's smart. He's funny. Yes. He's just yes. eccentric." And I said, yes. "No, he's awful. Yes. He's awful." It's all true. <laughs> okay. I just want to remind people of that. Let me stay with small Phoenix guards for five hundred. <laughs> Chris Paul had a great game in Game Three. Had a terrible game in Game Four. You and I both know, when we know this from Dean Smith, he was the first one to tell us, but we know it from a lot of people. You can win one game without your best player. Maybe you can win two. You can't win three. You can't win four. You can't. It doesn't work that way, especially when you play the same team over and over because they got coaches too. It's hard. They got coaches too. What do you make of Chris Paul's, as great as he was in game three, he was equally terrible in game four, right? Who hasn't had a bad game? Who? Michael Jordan scored 63 points against the Boston Celtics, which still stands as a record in a, a, a playoff game. Then what do you do the next game? I mean, come on. Nobody's great every night in the playoffs, which people forget, right. by the way. I mean, Jordan right. would have back-to-back games that were insane. Insane! Kevin Durant last year against uh, Milwaukee, he had insane back-to-back games. Nobody's great every night in the playoffs. Chris Paul was great in games one and two and three. Not, and just, three. not, just, not just game three. He was great in all No, no, I, I know. But, okay, I mean, so, this is without so Booker. Chris Paul had a bad game. What, what is he? He's not going to have a bad game? He's, he's supposed to be the first guy? Because I saw Magic Johnson what have bad games. I saw Lee Bird have bad games. No so what I'm asking is, if you night. don't have Booker, if you yeah. don't have Booker, you gotta. What do they you, got? You, you, you gotta win the series. That's all you gotta do. That's right. You don't have to win That's right. every game, and you don't have to be great every game because you're not gonna be great every game. And the other team isn't just trying and has good coaches. The other team's good. The other team has players. Next year, the New Orleans They're gonna be very good. Be a fifty-plus win team. That's right. If if Zion wants to play there. Phoenix. Right, if Zion wants to no, play there, no, if there's no, not no, bad no, blood. Not Zion anything. They've got three players right now that are better than a whole lot of teams. This rookie, Herbert Jones, are you kidding me? This kid can guard four positions. He's the new Dennis Rodman. And he can get you 15. He may not get you 20. He can get you 15. And as you pointed out right away, McCollum is a real oh, player. Good. He's okay? a real player and a real leader. And they got other guys. They got other, the big boys out there playing eight into a standstill. Yeah. No, they got coaches. That coach, Willie Green, that coach. I'm sorry, you know who he apprenticed for? How about Steve Kerr and Monty Williams? You like that? Yeah. Okay, so, so no, no, Chris Paul's not going to go out there and be the Terminator every single game against New Orleans. Does he need to have a great game five? Yes. Because if Phoenix doesn't win game five, they're going home. It's a one-game series for them. It, that, New Orleans has a home court advantage, okay? 
Everybody wants to talk about big markets and how great the, and this place and that. This is not Madison Square Garden. Barclays is a dump. Not only is it physically a dump, in terms of spirit, it's a dump. The Brooklyn Nets don't have any home court there. People, the Boston Celtics have overrun it. Like the Pittsburgh Steelers fans overrun FedEx Field frequently. That's what the Celtics fans have done in Brooklyn. Brooklyn has no advantage. New Orleans, they have an advantage. Smallest team in the league, smallest fan base. They are wild. They are raucous. They are loud. They are up every possession. That is a home court advantage. And if they get back there up 3-2 on Phoenix, they're going to take them out. Let me go to one other thing. We had a question the last time we did PTI. The question was, which was the most dispiriting loss? The loss uh, of Utah losing to Dallas to make it 1-2 to two in favor of Dallas. And that was a second, that was a game without Luka Doncic. Or Denver losing to Golden State to make it 0-3. And I said Denver because it's easier to come back from 1-2 than it is from 0-3. And you said Utah because they, you know, because Doncic was coming back and because Utah appeared to be a ghost of a team and appeared to be done from this time forward. Well, Utah's 2-2. You got a chance if it's 2-2. I don't think 1-3 gives you a chance. I just don't think. I don't think Denver has a chance. There's no chance 1-3 against against Golden State. No, no chance. I mean, I thought what they did yesterday showed guts. They did. They fought, as opposed to my team, the Bulls, which just rolled That's over right. like a dog. Right. They they fought, and they're gonna fight again. That's that's the come on now. And Michael Malone, you know, people can not like him or think he's overrated. We can think whatever they want, but he he his team was paying attention. He rallied his team, mm-hmm. and they won a tough game. Um, I, you know, I I think Dallas is still gonna win the other series. And the reason I said it's more dispiriting, if you're Utah, is Utah's going away. Okay? Utah is going away. They're going to blow that team up. I don't know if they'll keep Donovan Mitchell and try to build around him, or if they'll trade Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know if anybody does. I think it depends on the offers out there. But that team, Utah's going away, and they should go away. Mike Conley gave it the old college tribe. He's like 38 years old. Once they got him away from Memphis, that's, and that's ironic. They got him away from Memphis because Ja was there. And by the way, I mean, I don't think the Memphis will win that series. I mean, uh, I don't think Memphis really? will win that series. But wow, that's entertaining as hell. That series oh, yeah. is entertaining. Yeah. They're yeah. yappy, as you use your favorite word. They're yeah. yappy. They don't like that's each right. other. They don't like themselves half the time. They got they got glamorous young players. This kid Desmond Bain looks like a movie star. He's got game, you know. But I don't know that they're not. Go- I mean, Minnesota. Come on now. I mean, their coach their coach watched a twenty one nothing run and just folded his arms like he was a high school coach. And yet, yeah, they they bounced back. Carl they bounced back. Who I want to root for. Who I want to root for. He does stuff that's so stupid every other game. You just go, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't, I can't root for him. And yet, you know, he go out there and get you 30 and 15. So there's some, there's some, the playoffs are fascinating to me. They're endlessly entertaining, sometimes for the wrong reason, but they're entertaining. All right. All right, I'll talk to you later. All right, Tom. Go take a nap. Michael Wilburn, boys and girls. Uh, we will come back. Richard Justice will join us when we return. That should be fun. I've got a quiz for Richard Justice Ooh. that he's not prepared for. He's not. No one is prepared for this quiz. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This, this is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. <clears throat> Once again... We have the North Star Band, and if this doesn't sound like the Eagles on the beginning on Old 55, <laughs> nothing sounds like the Eagles in Old 55, because this does. I love that song. The North Star Band's going to be at the Birchmere. That's in Alexandria, right? 
Yes. Yes, it's a fabulous May venue. May 6th for a CD release show. It's a great place. So happy to hear this kind of music. Makes me very happy. It's called Whistleblow. Michael, if the North Star Band or anybody else wants to send us their original music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at TonyCornizerShow.com. So Richard Justice joins us now as baseball heats up is the wrong word, but baseball begins to take hold of my life anyway and some other people's lives. I guess the headline over the weekend was that Miguel Cabrera got his 3,000th hit. The headline before that was that Aaron Boone did something that had never been done before. He intentionally walked a guy with twenty nine ninety nine. That had never been done, which is, of course, why the Yankee fans booed him, because they wanted to see if Cabrera could get an honest hit. Um, what, as a baseball historian, as somebody who has watched baseball for your whole life, uh, where's Mickey Cabrera? I mean, he's, where does he rank for you? He's elite. Is he in the same conversation with Mays and Aaron and those guys? Well, I mean, how many guys have 3,000 hits and 500 home runs? Six of them. And they're all pretty special players. So he's in that yep. conversation. You know, more than that, he came up when he was 20 years old. He got his first hit when he was 20. I think it was a home run. And he got his 3,000th when he was 39. He's a guy that seems to love coming to the park every day. They didn't have a place for him. The Marlins didn't have – they signed him when he was 16. They didn't have a place for him. And because Michael Ole was entrenched at uh, third base, and uh, and they just Jack McKean called him up and said, "Put him in left field, put him in right field. He'll figure it out. This kid is different. He will figure it out." And he did, you know. And he's been part of pretty pretty special. And I think if you ask the guys that have managed him, especially Jimmy Leland and Jack McKean, they would tell you that they love this guy. I, I, you know, he, he played first, he played third base at the beginning of his career. A couple of years ago, they were going to have to use him at third, and you looked at his body, his big guys gained weight and all this stuff, and you go, whoa, 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 this is going to be disaster. <laughs> and what I remember right. is Mickey, Miguel Cabrera took such pride in playing third base that he was up for the challenge of playing third. I, I just think he's one of those guys that do, they do not come along very often. You know, and are we ever going to see another guy get A, 3,000 hits, B, 3,000 hits and 500 home runs? Um, he's he's at that point in his career, and I think he understands this because he he you know he's, he he was at times very aloof. But I think I think guys that English is their second language, I think they're reluctant. They don't. A player yeah. told me one time he went in and to a restaurant, ordered food, and the waitress laughed at him, and he wouldn't go back to a, to a restaurant for like two years. But I think that. Uh, contributes to some of that reluctance, but I think he now appreciates every day he can come to the ballpark and put the uniform on. It's a joy to see him play. Let me give you the list, or give not, not Richard knows the list. Let me give everybody else who's listening the list of the amount of people, name by name, who have 500 home runs and 3,000 hits: Henry Aaron, Willie Mays, Eddie Murray, Albert Pujols, Rafael Palmeiro, and Alex Rodriguez. The last two are suspect by many people to a degree, and Miguel Cabrera. And you notice that the greatest hitter of all time, Ted Williams, is not on that list, which I assume, Richie, has to do with the fact military service, all those years of military service. But 3,000 hits in the modern baseball game where people don't value hits, they value home runs, right. nobody's getting to 3,000. Right? No, nobody's think, getting there. You know, I, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about that. Who's most likely to do it? Well, the obvious one is Manny Machado. He's almost halfway there, and he's still a young guy. But other than that, nobody. All the guys that are in range of 3,000 are older players like Joey Votto. That's I right. mean, if you wanted to pick the two most likely to do it, you'd say Juan Soto and Wander Franco. But that's so far in the distance, yes. you, you yes. can't even project that far. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a remarkable list of people. It's If you don't have a drug issue hanging over you, it's automatic entry to Cooperstown. Miguel Cabrera is going to Cooperstown, the, right? The day he's eligible, he goes, right? <laughs> 100%. Uh, right? I mean, and yeah. it's going to be, it's going to be, and again, the people who played with him, like Verlander and Scherzer and those guys, they put him on a, on a pedestal above others for the strength of his hands, for his dedication to his craft, and just for the fact that he, he seems, he's kind of a funny guy. Like, he Inside that clubhouse, he, he's a guy that, that likes to have fun and, and loves playing.
Thank you for mentioning Justin Verlander. We had him on PTI last week. I saw that. He's a great talker. He's a great talker. He's been a guest a number of times. We don't often have active players because they're not usually good. And Verlander is really good. I wonder about this. He's been out for two years. Um, I know that chronologically his age is, I believe, 39. But physically, his age may not be, in the words of... Uh, John Riggins, I'm bored, I'm broken, I'm back. I mean, I mean, there are times, Richie, where when you sit out, it actually physically helps you. Do you? What do you? What is your sense of Verlander and the rest of his career? Because he wants well, 300, rest, and he's going to need five years. Yeah, I, I think the rest helped uh, in terms of his legs and his knees and all that. I mean, because he gets he gets beat up toward the end end of a season. But I think more than that, I think what you see with guys like Tom Brady is the the attention to detail in terms of taking care of their bodies and getting rest and, and just doing everything right. That's that's what he does as well as anybody. And he, he knows, I mean, he knows himself as well as anybody you've ever seen. Uh, A.J. Hinch a couple of years ago uh, joked with him about, uh, yeah, you know, you may still be doing this when you're 40. And, and Justin looked at him and goes, I'm going to still be doing this when I'm 50, buddy boy. And, and he, was not, he was not joking in any way. I have a funny story a couple of years ago when Brad Osmus was managing the Tigers. He told the writers one day, hey, I've got, I, I opened a Twitter account. What do you think of that? Huh? I'm, I'm going to get in a fight with Taylor Swift. The writers went out to Justin <laughs> Verlander and said, uh, hey, your manager uh, started a, has a Twitter account. He says he's going to get in a fight with Taylor Swift. And, and Justin goes, yeah, I don't think Taylor would, would engage in that with him. And they realize, oh, yeah, that's right. You know her. <laughs> it's, it's not a theory to you. That's right. One of the important things that we did off air and maybe even on air, too, was say to Verlander, you have to treat us to Kinlock because he belongs there in, in right. right outside of Richmond, which is a good, that's where he's born. He's a, a very good player, apparently. I, I, I want to give you this quiz. So listen, to this. so let me tell you what happened. There's pieces of paper in my house for like three weeks, and I don't really understand what they are. And they're questions. There's like 45, 42 questions, and they're printed out. And I've been looking at this for a while. It's a baseball quiz. And I was talking to somebody last night, and I said, I got this baseball quiz. And Carol says, she says, oh, yeah, yeah, that's from Scott. And I go, it's been here three weeks. You didn't tell me about this at all. What do you mean? Well, Scott it is, works at Brookfield Pharmacy, which is where we get all of our stuff. And, and I look through some of these things, and I know some of them. And I'm going to ask, Richie knows more about baseball than I. You ready? I'm going to give you like eight or ten questions. Go. Ready? What pitcher, I know this one, what pitcher caught Henry Aaron's number 715 home run in the bullpen? Tom House. Tom House is correct, and then he became a pitching coach, and he became a guru. Inspector what Gadget. year? Now, the look, that's the only one I'm going to get. I don't know. I don't know. You might not get this one because years are hard. What year did Frank Ryan? No, you love Frank Robinson. I do. What year did Frank Robinson become the first black manager? And that would have been in Cleveland, and I don't know the year, but I'm going to guess it's like the late 80s, but I don't know. Uh, I would say, no, I would say 78. 78. Nigel, look this up. What year on Frank Robinson? Oh, sorry, give me okay, here's the next one. Why did Sandy Koufax retire at age 30 after winning 27 games? Because he had told Phil Collier, the San Diego Tribune, he was going to retire at the end of the year. Is that what it was? It wasn't <laughs> no, I would no, automatically he, he just said elbow he trouble. He retired because elbow his, trouble. his elbow was so, uh, screaming yeah. at him. Yeah, I mean, hey, look, in Tony, the era... That's a, great sport, yeah. that's a great sports writer story. He told Phil Collier at midseason, hey, I'm going to quit. I'm going to give you the story. And uh, a couple of days after the season, he called Phil and said, uh, hey, uh, you can run that story now. And uh, Wow. Pretty good when a guy does that, huh? Yeah. Now, for those people, this is the, in the era, I believe, before the ice bath, right? What, that's, or maybe Sandy Kovac stuck his elbow in the ice all the time. Yeah. But he was done. He's the greatest pitcher. Of, he's Gail Sayers. He's the but, greatest of all time, and so, he couldn't do it. Yeah, but Here's 20, another 20 years later... So, you would go to you would go to Dodger Town in Vero Beach, and there'd be Sandy throwing BP eighty seven yeah. miles an hour at age fifty five, <laughs> and you, yeah. you're like, "Is he coming back?" And they they never knew because you know he was uh, he was so. Well, hey, look, Jim Palmer tried to come back at a at age. You never know. They never get it out of their system completely. Here's another question: Who and I don't know this. Who gave Pete Rose his nickname, Charlie Hustle? I don't know that. 
You got me on that one. I would guess Sparky, but I don't yes, know. I, would, I mean, I guess. <laughs> I would guess and then, would and then it turns be. out it's going to be it's going to be Howard Cosell. All right, this is great. You will know this. You All will right. know this. Um, who did Earl Weaver replace as O's manager? Hank Bauer. First time around. Okay. What was Tim Lincecum's nickname? Is it? Uh, I think it's the Freak, right? I don't know. I mean, I know he's five foot five, and he threw no, it one hundred and thirty. No. I think it's the Freak. Okay. Tim Lincecum, the freak. Michael's shaking his head up and down. Yes. What pitcher was the last pitcher to beat Sandy Koufax? 1966. I'm going to oh, say it's a World Series. Yeah. I'm going to say it's Palmer. What do you think? Whoa. You think I'm right, Richie? I don't know that. That's a good one, though. Ooh, that's a great one. I'm, I'm 99% sure it's Jim Palmer. Yeah. By the way, looked it up. Whitey Ford gave uh, Pete Rose that nickname. Whitey Ford. Derisively, as he was hustling down the line. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, Whitey Ford and condescending. Yeah. <laughs> Whitey Ford's yeah, smart and condescending. Derisively. <laughs> yeah, 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 okay. Oh, I know this. I, I, I know that. Um, what was Roberto Clemente's last hit, and why was it special? Go ahead, you know this, right? His last hit was his 3,000. Right, and why was it special? Because he then, on a mission of mercy, Ooh. was killed in a plane crash and never got New back. Day. I mean, Roberto Clemente is one of the greatest of all time. I think that it was, was a double. 3,000 hit. That was 3,000. Ooh, okay. Oh, this is great. I hate Billy Martin. What teams, other than the New York Yankees, did Billy Martin manage? Uh, let's see. Texas Rangers, Minnesota Ten- Twins, uh, Detroit Tigers, Oakland Athletics. That's right. Is there another one? I don't think there is. I think those are his teams. And he left a, a trail of wounded arms. <laughs> right, Richie? Wounded arms, starting pitchers. Left a well, your trail Nash, of those. Former Nationals pitching coach Steve McCaddy was one of those guys who you would look at him and go, you have your shirts custom made, right? Uh, this, this arm, 39 inches. This arm, 25 inches. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how many home runs did Henry Aaron finish with? 755, right? Uh, that, that Am I was, right on I that? I think that's right. Yep. Seven fifty-five. What year did Ripken pass Gehrig in consecutive game streaks? These are not that hard. What year did Ripken pass Gehrig? Now that yeah. that's a hard one for me. Uh, that would be nineteen ninety-six. Is it ninety-five or ninety-six? I would have said eight. It's, it's I would have said ninety-eight. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Let's look that up. I was there. You were there. Wilbon was, was there. there. Shirley was there. He was, the only guy, came Shirley back. was the only guy there that knew both Lou Gehrig and Cal Ripken. Yeah. So uh, September 6, 1995. 95. Okay. 95. So at that particular game, a foul ball is hit, and it comes back into the press box and lands originally in the ample stomach of Michael Raymond Wilbon. And Wilbon <laughs> pulls it out. And so I'm sitting next to Wilbon. Wilbon takes the ball in his right hand. And is about to put it in his bag. And I go, oh, no, 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 no. And he says, what? He goes, you got to give that to Shirley. Right. And as we are walking out of the ballpark, and Shirley is in his 80s then, right, Richie? He's got to be in his 80s. At least. 70s. And I think he's in his 80s. And Shirley is twirling the ball up and down as he walks out of the ballpark. He's so happy to have had the ball. And as Richard says, not that many people were at the Lou Gehrig game (laughs) and the Cal Ripken game. Not that many. Um, How many MVPs did Barry Bonds earn? Seven. Really? Oh, my God. Seven? I mean, that's Uh, like. That's my guess, seven. Seven, because that's uh, isn't that uh, Clemens had seven Cy Youngs, which we're not going to see again. We're not seeing right. seven. seven or six, yeah, something like that. Yeah, Barry Bonds. It was seven. Okay, seven. Wow, and one more. Um, in nineteen sixty, Detroit and Cleveland traded managers. Can you name them? I can't. I was. I'll say Bucky Harris because I always think of Bucky Harris as being Harris. somebody who managed eighty-seven favorite. teams. Yeah, uh, he managed I, I, eighty. Was teams. Mayo Smith one of the guys? Wait a minute. Mayo. Wait, 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 wait. Cleveland and Detroit traded managers. Could it no, be Boudreaux? I, I I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to get it either. So this is this this is. There's four more pages of this. Four more pages of this junk. From Scott, when I appreciate it. You have it, Nigel? No, it's, uh, uh, hold on, here we go. It's uh, Jimmy Dykes and Joe Gordon. Wow. That would be a question. I would never have gotten that. Yes. 
And as we say, thanks for playing the game. <laughs> I, just thought, I thought you'd have fun with these. Yeah, these were fun. I got three more pages. We'll bring you on three more times. I got three more pages of this stuff. I, I looked through a few of them, and I knew a few of them. Like, I knew Tom House. I mean, I understood that whole thing. But a lot of them, you know, you can get close on, but, you, you know, they're hard. They're hard. Thank you, Richard. Thanks, Tony. Richard Justice, boys and girls. Nobody knows baseball. Yeah, that story about Koufax and Phil Collier, that's a pretty good story. We'll take a break. We'll come back with email and jingle. When we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. Here comes Tony, Banjo music. Joe and Molly Chambers. Banjo music. Love it. You want to do the Bethesda bagel ad? Yes, Bethesda bagels. Sandwiches today. Got the sandwiches. Big deal. Yes. Very very happy about that. All you need to do is go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. Now, me and my mate were back at the shack. We had Spike Jones on the box. He said, I can't stand. It's not a can't take. I can't stand the way he sings, but I love to hear him talk. Now, that just gave my heart a throb to the bottom of my feet. And I swore as I took another pull, my Bessie can't be beat. Up on Cripple Creek, she sends me. <laughs> Fantastic. The band. Thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon, Richard Justice. Thanks to our sponsors, Sunday and Progressive Insurance. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple, please leave us a review from Matt Wine in Pittsburgh. I go to the CVS on Wilkins Avenue in Squirrel Hill. The people who work there are lovely, and it's the only pharmacy I've ever used that has never screwed up one of my prescriptions. The Rite Aid at Forbes and Murray can eat it. <laughs> it's local geography in Pittsburgh, kids. <laughs> Thank you. From Maddie Olsnoy, who's a CVS pharmacist. I listened to your podcast regarding getting your second booster at CVS. As a current CVS pharmacist, I wanted to thank you for taking the time to thank both the pharmacist who found you another CVS with the vaccine and the pharmacist who administered the vaccine to you. Our jobs have not been made easier as this pandemic continues, and it's refreshing to hear a patient actually thank their pharmacist for helping them. I honestly was ready to hear you were going to yell at him for not having the vaccine in stock, call corporate, etc. I know personally as a pharmacist that what you did truly made both of the pharmacist days. So thank you for being kind. No one has ever called me kind to them in our profession. I am sorry for the tech that turned her back on you. She clearly isn't in the field to help our patients as I try to do every day of my job. That's great. From Maddie Olsnoy. That's really great. I appreciate that. Bill Garner in North Potomac. Um... Report, John Wall exercising $47 million player option with Rockets. And he writes, that's a lot of outlets. <laughs> From Nick Sharkey in Washington, D.C. According to Legion Hoops, since 2017, Dirk Nowitzki has played more games than John Wall despite Dirk's retirement in 2019. <laughs> I don't have anything funny to add. That's it. That's the email. I'll tell Ed Quinn to eat it. From Ruck, Mr. Tony, gotta love it. The Soviet Safeway had both types of shots and your cottage cheese. Oof. Okay. From Sam Angel. You know Sam. From Phil now he's in Silver Spring. He was in yeah. Philadelphia Drexel for many years. After hearing Ruck's email on Wednesday show about the cottage cheese situation at the Soviet Safeway in Silver Spring, I'd check it out. I live only about a half mile from there, and as I'm still fairly new to Silver Spring, was very excited to hear that our Safeway has a nickname. I didn't see Ruck, and I don't like cottage cheese myself, but I will be back to stock up for my three-year-old daughter the next time we need it, since she can't get enough. Also, maybe if I go there often enough, one day I'll see Martha from the Americans drearily wandering the aisles of the Soviet Safeway <laughs> in search of coffee, ice cream, and a reunion with her beloved beloved Clark, both of which she is destined never to find. The guy who was the inspiration for the Americans, a Soviet agent in the United States, died a few days ago. Bonnie sent me the obituary. Oh, wow. Very interesting. In, in which all the creators of the show say he's the guy. Wow. He's the one we did this about. Mark Larson, Salt Lake City, Utah. I'm happy to hear you've had no reaction to the vaccine booster. The same thing happened to me. Oh, wait, no. After all three shots I've received, I've ended up with what can only be described as 16-hour flu, fever, chills, and achiness. I dread the next one as I am due for a new booster shot. I think by the time I finish getting boosters, I will have experienced the same length of illness that many who got COVID have experienced. Nigel, you're shaking your head because you've Yes, had I had the same reactions. Not fun. No. But but glad I got it. Yeah. Glad I've got it. From Alex Lau in New York City, the Bethesda Bagel location in D.C. area nearest to me is 232 miles away. Well, there you go. From Andy Shaner in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. I'll be in D.C. in June. What's the best place to park for Bethesda Bagels on Connecticut near DuPont? P.S. Any kid-friendly restaurant suggestions from Michael near Sursum Corda area? Do hmm. you know that area? I don't know that. I, I do not. Kid-friendly? All right. Well, you'll think about it. From Michael in Charlotte. 
Your nearest grocer may be out of Dunkin' ice cream, but may I interest you in Dunkin' ice coffee-flavored jelly beans? Would imagine Evelyn at CBS would be able to point you to the appropriate aisle. And there's an attached picture. Look at those. I've never seen anything like that. From Dan Kilday in Austin, Texas. When I was a kid, I met the skipper from Gilligan's Island at the Knoxville, Tennessee airport. Alan, Alan Hale Jr., I That's believe. That's exactly who it was. Yeah. Um, Peter Jennings, not that Peter Jennings. I received several notes of gratitude regarding my praise for Rachel Keene's wonderful play at the Augusta National Women's Amateur, but none better than from Rachel's mom, Brenda Corey Keene. Brenda indicated that she was actually interviewed by that Peter Jennings when she was eight months pregnant with Rachel and competing in the U.S. Women's Open. Only your show could bring all this to life. That's pretty cool. <laughs> from Chad Sup. In Urbana, Illinois, Mr. Tony, perhaps inspired by your feelings about pumpkins, squirrels, and countless other things, I'm compelled to express my hatred for cottage cheese. Now, I need to qualify this statement by disclosing I've never actually had cottage cheese, (laughs) so I can't really weigh in on the taste. It's a frequent source of frustration for the woman to whom I'm related by marriage, who can't understand how someone can hate a food without ever having tasted it, but I've explained to her it goes like this. To borrow a word from the great Howard Cosell, I find the lumpy or curdy appearance of cottage cheese unsightly. (laughs) Even though it was over 30 years ago, I still have vivid recollection of of the awful sound of cottage cheese being scooped and plopped onto trays by a lunch lady in my high school cafeteria. (laughs) Plus, the word curd is phonetically disturbing to me. I'm sorry, the texture of cottage cheese is just gross. The smell, good lord, that horrible spoiled dairy smell. Now, let's count. That's four of my senses this product offends. So, what are the chances that were I to actually put this stuff in my mouth, my sense of taste would respond with, you know what? Cottage cheese, pretty good. (laughs) So, yeah, never tried it, never tasted it, absolutely hate it. That's how I feel about yogurt. Yeah, there you go. I just don't like the look of it, the sound of it, the Mm. texture of it, anything. Nothing. Dr. Joe DeRosa in Greenville, Greenville, South Carolina. I have no idea who Bruno is, but according to my kids, we do not talk about him. Michael would understand. Yeah, we've had this again. This is the song from Encanto. Spencer in Milwaukee. I'm a longtime PTI fan, but I only found this show in the past year. It's been a great distraction during the pandemic, so I want to thank you. That said, as a new listener, I have some question. What's a little? Well, it's, well you're a little. You know, you're a, What's a Saliza? Chris Saliza. <laughs> I'm 32. Am I old enough to be here? Barely, but yes. <laughs> I think I'm lucky enough to get this email read on the air. I'll get some laughs out of you, but no answers. As consolation, can I be the official return Peace Corps volunteer of the show? We're useful for cornering party guests and telling them about the unfortunate bowel movements we've had during the service. <laughs> I know I need to lock this down before the daughter of that guy who was on your show a while back gets the inside track. That would be Brooke Forty. I was an agriculture volunteer in Senegal from 2012 to 2014. Good for you. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you for doing that. Exactly. From Jim Aram in Haymarket, Virginia. I've taken the liberty of nominating Sea Salt in your name for this year's Toy Hall of Fame inductees. Because what players better with sand than Sea Salt? You're welcome. Jeff Barger, Hillsborough, North Carolina. There's no Baskin Robbins coffee ice cream in my grocery store. There's a flavor called Baseball Nut. Seriously. Come on, man. What are we even doing out here? And from RC, enough about salt. How are you on the Bay Bridge? I'm getting better. Better. Not good. Not great, but better. I'm really not good. One more. JP from PT. It's a suburb south of Pittsburgh. Listening to the podcast with Greg Garcia the other week got me thinking. You've shut down many people from small hometowns, and I'm sure you don't have that many felons listening to keep the old crimes bit going long. His story about sitting next to a guy registering for classes and taking a TV writing class on a whim made me reminisce. 25 years ago this spring, much like Tiger at Augusta, but less fanfare here, my life was changed. I had tried out for the ninth grade basketball team, but I was cut. That's not the random part because I stunk at basketball. The random moment came a few months later when my mom, sick of me being in the house all the time, I suppose, said to me, you have to do something. Get straight A's or join track. Now, up to this moment, I had never considered either of those options for me. But this comment from my mom got me to sign up for track and field, and lucky for me, they didn't have cuts. This moment in 1997 has forever changed my life. I participated in track and field for all four years. Met seven great friends who I still communicate with daily. After graduating and in college, I ran into my coach at the local grocery store, and he asked, what are you up to? Want to come coach with me? So I said, sure. When I returned to practice as a coach, I met a new coach who was not on staff while I was in school. Fast forward a bit, she's now the woman to whom I'm related by marriage. 21 years coaching, 18 years as a teacher at my alma mater, 16 years married, and two beautiful kids later, all because I didn't want to get straight A's. (laughs) How great is that? If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Come on now. That means everybody just cool out. We 
you cool out, everybody. Thanks, Mick. <laughs> Thanks for being the peacekeeper. My hands I clap And my heart does too Round me up some more And we'll see what we can do Won't you load me up Try and fire me again Old Carolina She's such a close friend That heaven's gonna raise some hell I've got this funny feeling It ain't gonna cool down here for a spell Whiskey's a-taking His toll on the road Set him down, by him around I think he might tell you so Bye. 
this old guitar from my daddy it came on my life's anniversary he gave it to me and I remember him saying if you want to play son keep playing but there's a lot of things you're gonna miss back then I was resisting Whistle blow 